Well, if you're listening to the show for the very first time, you're listening to the Tyson Popplestone show. But if you were here for any of the last 131 or two episodes, you're going to be going, no, no, this show is called the Pop Culture Podcast. What's going on? Why is he introduced it as the wrong name? I've given it a little facelift, and here's why. When I started the show, Pop Culture Podcast, I thought was a cool player, my last name, Tyson Popplestone, Pop Culture. Problem was, every time I ever told someone about the show, they go, oh, cool, so you're just looking at pop culture and what's trending? And I go, no, not that's not what I'm doing. And then I'd have to go into some elaborate breakdown of what it was. It just got, it got old really quick. And so the Tyson Popplestone show, I mean, you can't get too confused on that. So it's a little facelift. That's what it's going to be called uh, from now on. Thanks for being here nonetheless. Just had to tell you that at the start so you didn't think I'd gone crazy and started introducing the wrong show. But with all that said, my guest today is the one and only Kate Galliott. She's a fitness and movement coach for, known for her work with clients to improve their physical well-being and movement patterns. She's the founder of Fit for Real Life, a platform aimed at helping people move better, feel better, and live better through personalized coaching, online programs, and resources. More than that, she is the author of the book, Unbreakable, How to Build a Body You Love to Live In. I spoke to her for the first time a year and a half ago on another podcast that I host, called the Relaxed Running Podcast and absolutely love the conversation. I've kept a, a, an eye on what she's up to since then because I always enjoy what it is that she's about. And with all that said, I reached back out to her and said, hey, here's the thing. I've got a podcast called The Tyson Popplestone Show. Do you want to come on it? And she goes, yeah, let's do it. And so with that, today we delve not only into physical health, we also talk about the role that mental health plays in our ability to actually function well throughout our days. More specifically, we look at the overwhelming modern culture of productivity, time management, and just trying to get more and more and more into our lives and the stress that often comes with that. So we talk about the challenge of time management, identifying the mismatch between reality and perception. We talk about prioritizing personal values and balancing social media and personal priorities, the need for adaptability, uh, the attention or the attraction, sorry, to mild irritation that every single mind has. We talk about finding joy and calm in daily life and enjoying the, you know, the quietness of time and space when we just get rid of all the excess and learn to live in the moment a little bit more. It was a really helpful podcast, a really great conversation, as it always is with Kate Galliott. So with all of that said, sit back and, I mean, actually relax for this one. That's the whole theme of the podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Kate Galliott. What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero, nothing. So we've officially caught up a little bit on the last year and a half. For anyone listening, <laughs> Kate and I first caught up on a running podcast that I do called Relaxed Running. And we went into that conversation with like a completely different intention. But throughout that chat, which was June 2022, one of the things that I kept thinking was, man, like this topic, it's so broad and so deep and really applies to every element of life rather than just running performance which was the main focus that day and I've kept one eye on on what you've been up to over there since we spoke and uh, as a result I thought I'm going to reach out to you because I reckon the uh, the what do you say the the range that we have with this particular podcast is a bit broader a bit deeper and um, you know we can take it down a few other rabbit holes but before we get into any of that what's going on how how's the last year and a half been treating you it's been really good. And it was such a, a treat to get your email and be like, oh, yes, that was, I told you that was like 
my favorite podcast I did in the last few years. And um, it was just wonderful to hear from you again. And uh, the last year and a half has been great. It's been uh, a live practice of probably everything we're going to talk about today and um, really just trying to peel away everything that is unnecessary. Um, Not to live like a monk, although there's not anything wrong with that. Um, Certainly not living like a monk around here, but um, to peel away all the stuff that is just really keeping me from my my best and truest self and what's best and true for my family and um, really just also trying to make it less chaotic. I'm 43, just about, and I'm like, man, I have been living the chaotic lifestyle for a very long time and have been on a mission to like de-chaos myself for a long time now. Um, and yet the work continues. And I think it's deepened a lot in the last year and a half. And, you know, like you said, we talked running and fitness last time, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, a little bit today too. But, um, my book becoming unbreakable is like what we talked about the last time is yes, it's fitness. It's making your body resilient so that it can perform well at any age for, you know, as long as you want. Um, but like you just said, it carries over into your entire life. And I personally practice a a form of like holistic fitness where I can see the connection of like how stressed your life is, is going to influence how your body feels and how much um, other stuff you have going on in your life is going to influence what you're able to bring to the table for your workouts and how aligned or misaligned you are is going to show up in your workouts too. So I find it almost impossible to pull these two things apart or these more than two things, but it's impossible to pull them apart. So I'm glad we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, I mean, it's something I've been fascinated with this subject for as long as I can remember. And I think like, well, maybe like you, it sounds I found my way to it as well through the fitness side of things. Like I was always interested in, hey, what can I do on a daily basis that actually looks after my body? Like for originally, it started off as me as a distance runner. I was trying to figure out, hey, how do I excel here? And then as I moved away from competitive distance running, it transferred into more like, all right, I don't want to be 80 and just suit or for that matter. 50 and super sore or 30 and super sore i i want to uh, just give my body an awesome opportunity just to to function at its full capacity which was our initial introduction uh, or conversation yeah but for me like you it has transferred in a big way across to mindset and across to just trying to navigate not only the physical fitness but for lack of a better word that mental fitness that ability to be able to go okay well there's a lot going on in your day. There's a lot going on that has the capacity to cause a heap of stress if you're not cautious. And yet, even with that awareness, I find this interesting. I've got some amazing strategies. I've got some really cool skills that I've learned over the course that I always say it's like the mental equivalent of a gym workout. I'll go and I'll do these things and I'll be better for it. Even if I don't necessarily feel like doing it by the time I've forced myself to do it, I'll leave and go, okay, I feel better. But even with that, I find there's something difficult about just carving out the time to, um, or I personally find it's more difficult for me to carve out the time to actually implement these skills around something that you can't necessarily see the, the, the rewards from. So I'll go to the gym and obviously, like, hopefully you get a bit more muscle definition or a bit more strength or a bit more fitness. It's got so many different ways that it can show. But when it comes to actually creating space for like a decrease in mental clutter, a decrease in just mental stress, it's like, okay, well, I get little tastes of it from time to time, but I'd be horrified for you to talk to my wife and go, hey, how does Tice handle the stresses of his life? Because the truth is, like, with, as I said to you before I hit record, two kids running around, it's, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but it's definitely shortened uh, 
like patience and just tolerance of, of little hiccups throughout the day. And I say all that to say it's something that I have this conversation with nearly every one of my friends and they all relate to it. Like it's clearly an issue that's taking place in, in so many of our lives. And like, I don't know what your thoughts are on what's actually causing it. I know modern life just seems to operate at a pace which is pretty difficult to keep up with if you don't have some scaffold in place to keep you accountable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could talk for hours just on that answer alone, but because um, there is a lot of things that I think are causing that. And I'm by no means an expert on this, but I've witnessed it like you have, and I've experienced it like you have. And from parents to non-parents, to business owners, to people who are an employee of a large corporation, like old and young, everybody's saying the exact same thing. Just like you just said, your friends are all saying the same thing. Why do we not have enough time? In fact, I just did an assessment with a gentleman a few weeks ago, and he was like, I have two young kids plus one who's older from a previous marriage. And so we're kind of full on right now. And he's like, but here's what I don't get. We're busier than ever. And yet I don't know where the time is going. I don't, I, I look at my back at my day and I'm like, where did the time, where did the day go? I don't get it. I don't, it's not adding up how we could be so busy when I look at the schedule that yes, the schedule's full, but I don't get how we're this hectic with our day. And I said, that, that is the first thing we have to start to root around in is to try to get some sense of how, what reality is for us and how we're perceiving it. And for some of us, that's a, a fairly easy hurdle to jump. It can be something like, oh, you just need to learn some like mindset techniques about how to set your day up correctly, or you need to um, learn to meditate so that you don't react so quickly to things. You need to have some sort of skill that you can learn from a book. And for some people, it's as easy as that. But for the rest of us who struggle, um, it takes a lot of examination amidst the chaos and the willingness to go, I'm going to try to identify what's going on here, why the difference between what reality is and how I'm perceiving it and where the discord is, um, but know that I'm not going to be able to do anything about it just yet, which for me personally, worst thing ever. As soon as I identify a problem, I'm like, solve it immediately. Like if I'm like, my back hurts, what is going on? All my attention goes to being like, solve the problem. What did I do? What did I miss? What do I need to give my body more of? What is this telling me? And when you're trying to figure out why you're so freaking busy and you, you literally are like, how, how is my day so busy? Uh, you have to be willing to start pulling back and assessing and accepting the fact that it's going to still feel that way for a while. So I told you, I've been trying to like de-chaos my life for a long time. So I'm coming up on my 10th year living here in Utah. I moved here from Illinois where I owned a gym and did a whole bunch of stuff and everything was perfect except something was missing. And what I what was missing was in Utah. I had friends out here. So I came to check the place out and was like, oh, 100%. This is where I need to go. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm giving up all this. I have a great house. I have a great business. I have great clients. Why would I give all that up? I just knew I had to do it. And so I'm coming up on 10 years here. The day I moved to Utah, I knew then, so almost 10 years ago, I knew then I am like way overscheduled. I am like rushing all the time. I'm I'm way too stressed out. I'm way too hectic. I'm everything. It's just too intense. Like this is all just too intense. There's got to be a better way. So I said, when I get to Utah, I am not going to allow myself to do this anymore. Just period. We are not a person who does that anymore. And I didn't know exactly how to stop doing that yet. I just had that, like I was saying, I know what that is. I see it and I see how I'm perceiving it and I see how I'm experiencing it. I don't want that. I'm going to try to 
figure out what's reality and what am I perceiving? And then how do I bridge the gap between those two things? My friend, I am still working on it 10 years later. And granted, I've come a long way so far. Like every year I have seen myself make progress on doing less, having more expansiveness in my day, reducing the mental strain that I experience while not like I'm not living the charmed life. I still have to work to pay bills. I We still have things to take care of. Like I've not retired in any way. Um, but I laugh at myself now because I'm like, and here we are nearly 10 years later, and I'm still working on the solutions to find that sense of I have space, I have time, I have calmness, I have capability to do it. And it wouldn't have taken 10 years if all I needed to do was like a mental technique. So for anyone out there who's like, I've tried the mental techniques, um, I'm sorry that I'm your poster child, that I might be the one highlighting your story where you're like, this is going to take 10 years or, or more to figure out what is going on. So, and that's, that goes into the fitness thing because I've always told my clients, like, if you don't have time to do the whole workout, you don't have time to do the workout and that's okay. But like, we can't just be cutting corners on all of our workouts and thinking we're going to get the results that those workouts should give us. We might be able to say, look, I can't do the strength training fully today, but I'll do three sets of lunges. Okay, great. But don't think you're going to get the same results as the if you'd have the time to do the full workout. So I'm constantly telling my clients that like, if you don't have time to do the whole thing, you don't have time to do the thing. And we just need to revise our expectations. I say this to my moms too, that I coach a lot. I'm like, I understand you want to achieve these goals like fat loss and, you know, getting your body to a shape that feels really good to you and maybe being able to run a marathon or something like that. Um, we need to put that up against reality. Like I was saying, like, what is really reality right now and what's our perception of it? Because that mismatch, that discord is where we get into trouble because a lot of my moms are like slammed. They're so busy. Either they're working full-time in the home and or full-time outside of the home and spouses are dealing with stuff. And then of course you got to pay for everything. So you got to find the income and take care of it and go get the groceries and do all the stuff and do the sports with the kids. You might not have time in the real world right now to do the things it takes to get to that goal. And the more you keep trying to do the things that are going to get you to that goal when they don't match the reality of the time you have available, the more we experience discord. And you'll experience that mentally and emotionally, but also physically. Your cortisol will go up, your adrenals will be tanked, your body will be straining to try to accomplish this, but like on empty fumes, essentially. And nobody likes mm. to hear that. Nobody likes to hear like, now might not be the right time to work on that goal in that way with that, you know, fervor and excitement. It may be a time to like dial it back like 90% and go from there. But that's a tough one, right? Like, I mean, if I said to you in the peak sure. of you're trying to perform, hey, maybe you're not, maybe you don't have enough in the tank right now to do this. If you're anything like me, all of the type A's listening, that's like a challenge to you. That's not like an <laughs> acceptance. You're like, oh, I'll prove you wrong, right? <laughs> For sure. It's so true. I mean, there's a there's so many directions I could take what you just said, but the the thing at the front of my mind is I recently finished reading a book. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called Four Thousand Weeks. No, and it's named after so four thousand weeks. I think that's eighty years. So it's like the average human life. And the book is it's the side of time management that we're never spoken about or that we never speak about. And the idea is he goes look. The side of time management and productivity that you're never going to hear about is regardless of how refined your system is, regardless of how smooth you operate, regardless of how many people you can hand off so much work to, 
4,000 weeks is going to be the average life. And at the end of that, regardless of how efficient you are, your, your work is done. And in the face of that, like, what are your priorities? Like, what are the things that you have to say no to? Because to your point, I, I really connect with, with what you just said in regards to, um, I, I feel like I'm the biggest culprit in the world for being that guy who's like, no, no, if I just get a little more efficient here, then I'm going to be able to get the extra thing done. But you're exactly right. Sometimes in the phase of life that you're in, the answer is no. And then with that answer being no, it's so much easier, I guess, or hopefully it becomes easier over time to start focusing on the things that you really value. But I guess the next question to that is, well, how do you, how do you actually uncover it? Because I, I remember sitting in Nepal back in 2015 and I was reading that Seven Habits of Highly Effective People for the first time. And Stephen Covey, he says, hey, one of the most effective ways is just to imagine what you want people to say about you at your funeral. Like in your eulogy, what do you want them to say? And I would look at the things that I was focusing on. And I was there because like, this is a whole nother podcast. I was trying to qualify to go with a particular group to climb Everest. And when I was there, that was like all consuming. And so many things were on the, on the back seat because obviously there just wasn't time in the day to focus on it. But then as I thought about it, I was like, I don't care if I've done this. <laughs> like, I, like the old Everest trip, it sounds cool and it was exciting and it was filling time. But when I thought about it from that eulogy perspective, I'm like, ah, I think this is a, I think this is a, is a mismatch for me. It's taken a whole heap of effort, a whole heap of money, a whole heap of time, and it turns out I don't really care. So for me, that uh, analogy that he offers of like the eulogy speech is a mirror that shown back at me that said, all right, Tice, like, what do you want to be said? And it actually helped for me. My my sort of main priorities boil down into five things: like faith, relationships, health, career, and and contribution. And I mean, it serves as a nice foundation, but that's all it is. I'm like, it. Uh, I, I keep coming back to it when I'm like, oh, Tice, you say these are the most v- valuable things. Why have you spent three hours on Instagram or oh, whatever it is? Do you know what I mean? Insert whatever example you like. Yeah. And uh, I mean. Maybe I could just handball that to you and let you speak to it. There's not much of a question there as much as it's just observation. No, I got you. I got you because I want to pick up on a couple of things you said. So first of all, I live in a very rural town in Utah and we still get a weekly paper and we read the obituaries every week. And it's our favorite thing to do. We read them during breakfast. And (laughs) these obituaries are so wonderful to read. I mean, God bless the person who passed on, obviously. Like it's always sad when somebody passes away. The people in this town still write the story of the person. It's not just like so-and-so passed away on this day. They're survived by so-and-so. Funeral will be on this day. Like it's not a clippy little thing like that. They, I mean, you give as much space as you want. Some of these things go three columns in the paper and they tell the story of like where they were born and what their family life was like. And what isn't every single one that we read is how they talk about how hard of a worker they were and how proud they were to provide for their family and how they were proud to work in the coal mines for 55 years or whatever. And they were proud of their grandkids doing this and that and the other. And they contributed to their community and it really made them feel good to do that. Like, like they're so touching. They almost make you cry to read some of these obituaries. And we read them for exactly what you said. Like, man, we really hope when somebody writes our obituary someday, like that they'll highlight that we were like, hardworking people that were humble, that were, in, you know, in kind to everybody around us and community oriented and doing things of service that really mattered, you know, and I think that's what we would all want if we think of our obituary and do that example, like you said. Um, but 
just to read them week in and week out like that and go, man, there's still people like that in this world. That's so great. Well, they pass on from this world now, but hopefully they left that legacy for other people. And that's, I think, all we can hope to do as well. So I think that obituary type exercise is a great one to do. And then to go back to what you were saying about the, like, why did you spend three hours on Instagram? Which as we're recording this, I um, gave up Instagram for Lent. So we're practicing Lent this time of year. So you give things up that you were like, maybe thinking where you're a little, taking up too much space in your life. And so I was like, I'll give up Instagram. I thought it would be challenging. I have not thought about it once. I have not missed a single thing. And I'm like, huh. I thought, I mean, this did, like, I was using it way too much. Like you, I was like scrolling around doing nothing on the thing and being like, why, why am I here? What happened to the last half hour of my life? And, and it has not been hard to not do that. So I, I would invite people, even if you're not of a faith orientation, um, maybe set a time too, where you, once you discover the things that you're like, I don't think this is really helping me take it away for a while and see what you fill your time with alternatively. But to get to even that point is what I wanted to talk about next we have to spend more time, which, haha, we don't have time. Everyone's too busy. We don't have time. But you need to find <laughs> some time to understand what you really value and down to the nitty gritty of like how that translates into your life. So for example, for me, I've had a few of these that were so instrumental that I was like, oh, that's, it's so clear. And once I started seeing how clear it was when I got clear on my values and then how easy it was to make a choice from that, uh, I, I lean on that more and more. And it really makes it so once you know your values, it's just a no-brainer to make the next decision. So, for example, when we moved to rural Utah, we were talking about, well, how could, what are other ways we could save money so we could continue to add more cash to our savings so that just in case something happened, right, you have plenty of money in the bank to cover your mortgage payment, whatever. Um, and I was going through all my expenses, and I saw that monthly hair bill. So, you know, People like to go get their hair done, ladies especially. Get your hair cut, you get it colored, maybe get it styled or extensions. And I would go do the, you know, not a whole bunch of stuff, but enough. And it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks every month that I would go do it. And as I was going through, I was like, man, I really don't see anything that I spend money on that feels a little bit like extraneous other than this. And then I sat up and thought about it. I'm like, but I really... I don't want to have gray hair. That would make me look old. I, and anyone who's watching this will be like, oh, I can already see where the story ends because I can see Kate. Um, <laughs> but I was like, do I care? I like it. Well, I don't like getting my hair done. It's a waste of time. I hate sitting in the chair for like two hours. I feel like it's a total waste of my day. God bless my hairstylist. She was wonderful, but it was just the time thing. And I was like, you know, no, I value my money going to something else besides this. And I value my time more so being like, I don't want to waste a couple hours in a chair every month of my life. And I said, that's it. I'm not going to color my hair anymore. I'm just going to let it grow out and, and let it do what it does. Well, for a couple of months after that, I still had that challenge of like, oh my gosh, the grays are coming in. Oh my gosh. Like it shows that I'm aging. Oh no. What do I think about that? Maybe I should do something about that. Maybe I should get, they have these little like pencils where you can color in to kind of hide it a little bit. <laughs> I looked at them and I was like, I cannot bring myself to do this because I, like it just, it came into my head. It reminded me like, no, you value your time and your money for other things, way more than you value this. So you don't even need to worry about it. It's a no-brainer. And it literally wasn't even me feeling like pulled along for the decision. It was just a light bulb moment. And I went, oh yeah, I don't, I don't care. And ever since then, I've been like, no, I don't care at all. My hair is my hair. This is, it has some gray in it. It's 
I cut it myself. Like it's, I don't care. It's not one of the things I value and prioritize. And other people might feel oppositely. They're like, it's the only time I get time to myself. I love being taken care of. I love what they do to my hair. It'll be great. Totally worth it to spend a few hundred bucks a month. But I think when we're thinking about, well, how do I get less chaos in my life and have fewer things on the books so that I'm not so stressed out every day? One of the things you have to do is say, okay, based on what I'm noticing is taking up my time in reality, how many of those actually match my values? And if I don't even know my values, I better figure those out first because that is what guides every single decision we make. And I think with the Instagram, because we've all done it, we're all guilty of that. Like, it's just those moments of lapsed judgment where maybe somebody who's trying to become a runner might be like, eh, it doesn't matter that much that I run today, where you'd probably be like, of course I'm going to go run. This is just what I do. And I think a lot of us with social media, granted, they make those things pretty addictive. So it's, you're fighting an uphill battle with social media companies because they want you on that thing forever. So it is a little challenging, but I think the more we can get clear on who am I and what do I actually value in this realm, and then run that thing that you're thinking about, like Instagram or drinking or um, exercising when you're a mom with like 18 million kids running around in 18 different directions, <laughs> like think about it, which, where is your time actually going to be best spent to align with your values, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so well said. One of the things I'd be actually interested to hear your perspective on this from um, like the perspective of someone who runs a business is that's how I justify it a lot of the time. Because so many of the times that I go onto Instagram, it's as uh, I've got a coach for my running page and I've got a, co- uh, I've got a, pa- sorry, sorry. I've got a page for my coaching and I got a page yeah. for which is slowly becoming for for comedy. Like if I find a clip that went well, or you know, like the night was good, or uh, I'll put that up. And this is where I'm torn. So as a coach, I go well. I I can see the amount of connection that I get through views, which I'm sure is part of this this psychology of bringing me back because it's always exciting little dopamine hit to go. Hey, look how popular this one. Look at the traction this one's got. Um, and so I'll do that. And I reckon uh, like the next natural step might be, okay, well, you actually got to start to pay someone to do this. Because I think the time that that frees up in my own life, like mentally, physically, whatever, that's a win. And the same is true with the comedy side. I mean, Clips is one of the, the best way to, to build a bit of it. It's actually amazing to see how many great comics have been discovered just through posting clips. And not to say that's going to happen or anything, but I like the idea of just just unfortunately if you want to be a good comic or if you want to sell tickets to comedy people have to know your name and so mm-hmm. i go well i want to i want to post some clips because i'm this is a, this is a, like a passion of mine i want to get good at it i want to sell tickets i want to um just make this flourish so you go okay well i can justify it that way and so i i think that's as far as my argument's really gone i haven't looked too much beyond that i just go no well you kind of need it sort of but then I think the next question or the follow-up question would clearly be, okay, well, how much of the time that you're spending on there is actually attributed to the things that you just said? And I reckon it'd be close to one and a half percent. I don't think what I say my priorities are really match what I'm what I'm looking at. I'm like, if this is true, why am I looking at this Italian pasta dish? It doesn't seem to have anything to do with what I said. Totally. And I, I was just going to bring that back around to what you value is obviously to grow your comedy and to reach people with, you know, funny material that maybe lightens their day or makes it something where maybe they come see you someday. So to that end, I think posting your clips on Instagram and TikTok or whatever you use is like, yeah, that's part of it. But I I think that is where we have to, again, we have to know ourselves well by being willing to sit in the reality of it and our perception of it and go, okay, the reality is I need to post these clips five days a week or however many days. Um, 
I don't need to scroll the feed at all. I don't need to watch people's stories at all. Is there a way I can take all of that stuff away by maybe paying somebody and the only thing they do is post them and you don't even have it on your phone or you give yourself a time limit for the day or something like that? Because that is the same problem that a person who's trying to figure out the mom who's trying to figure out how to get in shape to be how she wants to feel with a million kids in tow who are, you know, needing a lot of things. It's the same thing as for me where I was like, I have, I cannot be this chaotic with my work. I cannot be overscheduled like this. So my, my two words are time and space. I have to have time and space. And so every business decision runs through that. And do I succeed at that? Always? No, I am really good at taking on too much. And then my husband's like, so how's your time and space going? And I'm like, (laughs) well, uh, I have to make some changes. Um, but that's, that's the learning process. You get into that point where you like, you make the choice and then you live the reality of that and what you thought that reality was going to be, there's your perception again. And then you realize there's a mismatch and you go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I, that's, I took on too much. The scope of this project that I took on was too much. I, I'll finish that, provide the service I'm supposed to provide, um, but then reevaluate for the future. And I am now every day I'm doing that. Every client I'm thinking about working with, every time I'm thinking about offering a class, every, everything I do, I'm like, how much time is this going to take? Is that worth it? for my values of partially, yes, I want to help people. I want to provide great service and help them be in the best health and fitness of their lives and become unbreakable. But more than that, I want to make sure I survive this whole thing. And they're, they're close one and two. It's not like a huge disturbance. They're close, but um, that has to trump everything that I do. And I've done it so many times that I've been like, it'll be fine. And then I get into it and I'm like, oh, it's not fine. No, nope, I've taken on too much. Now I'm stressed out. Now I don't have time and space. Now I can't work out when I want to work out or do whatever the thing is that makes me feel restored to have my best day, you know? Um, but it gets easier and easier as you do that. And you can see reality more clearly when you do that. And you can catch your perceptions more quickly. Because I think a lot of us, especially type A folks, believe we can accomplish everything. We believe we can be Superman and Superwoman. We believe that we can, like, no problem. I got this, right? you don't got this. Like we are not the superheroes. We are superheroes, but we are not literal superheroes with like, you know, beyond human capabilities. So we have to keep that in mind. And that's why I always come back to like, you have to understand your own reality. You have to understand your perceptions of reality. And then you need to understand your values. And all of that needs to get put together so that you can make better and better choices. I know like a lot of us are going to beat ourselves up the first time we're like, God dang it. I did it again. Oh, I'm doing the thing I'm not supposed to be doing because that's not aligned with my values and it makes me feel too stressed out. And now I'm going to have to bear the consequences of that. And that's okay because like, like training, if you go out and your coach is like, hey, today's supposed to be a zone two run. And you're like, I feel great. I'm going to do zone four slash five the entire way. <laughs> yeah. That's how you learn that lesson. You go, oh, sure. maybe they were wise and I wasn't and I should have listened. Okay, next time I will, you know? Mm. Yeah, I I like the running analogy as always, but I think part of the reason I like it is because it, it draws my attention back to a point I was going to make earlier, which is um, with productivity or, or or with time management or with whatever it is you want to call this particular space, I find the constant challenges. You might have the skill set, but the the variables change. Like you can walk along and you can go, okay, look, I know what I should be doing. I've got the skills to navigate my way out of this when I find myself in a situation that's going to cause me to use these skills. But life never gets to a point where it's like, oh, great, I've got these skills. And so there's never any problems anymore. It's like you're constantly forced to 
bend and adapt and um, you know, to use the running analogy, you're never just going to go out there and just have a, a sun shining, still, beautiful weather all the time. Like you're going to have to adapt to hills and wind and rain and fatigue and whatever else. Um, so I often try and remind myself of that when I'm like, Toss, why are you so stressed? You know the things that help you just reduce or alleviate stress completely. So why is it that you're actually allowing stress to take over this situation? Now, a lot of the time it might be like, oh, it's a situation I haven't found myself in before. It's uh, like like you sound like you do a lot. I've overcommitted um, and I'm not 100% sure how to do it effectively. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you find that a lot? Because I often get frustrated at myself for that very reason. Like you've got the skills, but you're not uh, implementing it properly. Why is it? Oh, okay. It's a new experience. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I would be lying if I said that I was excellent at adaptability. I am not. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have worked really hard to gain like a smidgen of adaptability in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, it's what's funny to me, and I think this is where maybe anybody listening could take this, somewhere in your life, you are good at adaptability. Somewhere you are. Just You, you might have to might take a while. You might have to look a long ways and try to see what you can find. But for me, I've been a coach for 22 years and taking care of my body much longer than that. Um, I used to be very rigid with my body. I used to be very inflexible, not adaptable. And that wasn't working anymore. And do you know what I did when that wasn't working anymore? I kept doing it because that's what non-adaptable people do. They kept doing things that don't work. Thank heavens. I had this gentleman in my life, my naturopath, Dr. Turner, man saved my life. And I had a bunch of stuff wrong health-wise. And of course, like a Western doc wasn't helping. They were just giving me drugs and like that wasn't making any difference. So I got linked up with him and he truly transformed my health and my life. And part of that journey together was one day he said, you know, Kate, like, something to think about. What if you just didn't work out all the time? Like, what if you worked out less for the next few months? half as much. So maybe instead of six days a week, it was like three days a week. And I was like, huh? I I don't. I literally didn't know what he meant. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even like exaggerating. I did not know what he meant. I was like, I don't get what you mean. Work out less. That doesn't compute at all. He's like, just think about it. Just think about it. It could, you know, it could help, but I will say this. You go home and think about it. And if you decide that you don't want to do that. That's okay because you already know how to do it the other way. Overscheduled, overworking out, rigid, right? Like you already know how to do that. He didn't say those parts, but I, I, I was like, oh, I see what you're picking up there. Um, <laughs> so I went home and thought about that. And I, I was like, you know, he's right. If I try this whole working out less thing and like being too rigid with my schedule and overschedule and all of the things that were like happening then that I started working on later, um, he's right. I know how to, I know how to do it this way. I know how to be who I am, work out six days a week, drag my body kicking and screaming, whether it wanted to go through the run or not. Um, I could just go back to that. If he's wrong, which he probably is, is what I thought. I was like, he's probably wrong. Um, I'll just go back to working out six days a week and ignoring my body and the signals it's sending me and all that kind of stuff. Um, turns out he was right. And my body was finally able to start to heal because I wasn't continuing to do the thing that wasn't working anymore, where I was going too hard, doing too much, restricting too much, just too much, too much, too much, you know, too cortisol driven, the whole thing. And wouldn't you know it, I got a lot more health benefits out of it. I got fitter. I got 
healthier and I built my first ability to become adaptable to say, hey, I'm actually going to listen to my body. So I tell you that story because that is how I am with bodies now. I'm much more adaptable. I can see what my clients or bodies are telling me that they need, even if they don't tell me that they're overly tired. I can I can tune in and kind of pick up on that and then ask the right questions to confirm or deny what I'm picking up on. Um, I can see that in my own body. And so when I'm not adaptable in my day-to-day with my schedule or with taking on too much, some tiny part of my brain goes, okay, you can do this because you've done this. Like you do this with your body. You are adaptable with your body. Could we maybe just do like a little bit of that here now? And half the time, do you know what it is? Half the time, it's my little like ego thinky mind that's like, but we don't want to. We want to live in the stress and the chaos because that's what we're really good at. And if you've read any of the research and, and information on like, you know, dealing with our own like, you know, any past traumas we've dealt with or emotional dysregulation we've experienced from childhood or early adulthood, like we do, we can get caught in those patterns where like, we feel more alive being stressed out than we do being totally calm because we've never been totally calm. So those are the moments where I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I can do this in other areas of my life. I'm not doing it right now. And I have to kind of have that little inner discourse of like, we understand that like, you know how to feel stressed out. You're good at that. Okay. Inner Kate, you're good at that. Um, Could we maybe find some calm, peace, adaptability with this situation? Maybe. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes my brain's like, "Mm, no, no, we just want to be stressed and irritated because that's what we know. And it makes us feel like we have the right to feel this way. When half the time, like, I don't really have the right to feel that way anyways. It was my own bed and now that I've made and now I'm lying in it. And I'm like, this is my own fault anyways. So like, (laughs) why don't I just solve the problem and get myself out of this mess instead of digging the hole deeper, you know? Yeah. I was listening to, uh, do you know Rich Roll? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to him. This is a couple of years ago. I'll tune in from time to time. And one of the episodes he had, I, I'm, I think it might have been Andrew Huberman. I'm not 100% sure who it was, but it was some dude he, he was fascinated or he was studying the, the science of, of brain health. Um, and Rich Roll was asking him a question. And, and the guy said, oh, do, you know, do you know what a person's go-to state is mentally? If they had the choice, what's their favorite place to be? And like me, Rich was like, um, joy or happiness? He's like, no, no, research suggests it's mild irritation. He goes, that's the reason that um, we love tuning into the horror stories on the news. It's the reason we love hearing gossip. It's the reason we love talking about the things that frustrate us about our friends or whoever it might be, because there's something about that state that we actually enjoy being in. And it's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I catch myself there from time to time. I'm like, why am I letting myself just dwell here? I'm like, oh, there's some sick part of me, like some dopamine hit kind of part where I'm like, this is actually, like there's an excitement in this. It's drama. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, it was really interesting just to hear you speak to that because I'm like, I, I've witnessed that. And when he spoke about it, I thought, I can't believe there's any evidence to suggest that's true because I would have just assumed that a person's go-to desire was, oh, just let me be calm, happy and joyful. Yeah, that's what I would think too. But we, you know, I, that makes so much sense. And it's very enlightening to hear that there's been scientific research on that. But um, yeah, I, I learned that somewhere along the way about this awareness thing. Like, it's almost funny when you can start to catch yourself sticking with something that some part of your brain goes, this isn't working. This is the thing you always do why are you doing that? Like, you're only making it worse for you and everybody else around you. Like, what are you doing? And then some other part of you is speaking up from somewhere else going, because we like it. 
We mm. know this. It's safe. It's secure. We know the outcomes that are going to come from this. And we can just bathe in this like chemical experience of being stressed out or irritated yeah. or mad about something. Um, and like I said, I- I'm human too. Like I can catch that more often than not. But sometimes it still takes me a moment of sitting there being like, what you're supposed to do right now is something different. And the part of me going, yeah, we don't want to. Because <laughs> we're a human. And I think that's I think that's part of the whole process. And whether it's sports or fitness or just being a good human, is that figuring out where those, like I said, those misalignments, those mismatches, those like old programs that no longer work for you. I think a lot of these really tie back to what we started talking about where we feel too stressed out. We don't know why. We feel too chaotic. We don't know why. I wonder like if we went through an entire day where we felt joy and calm and happiness, truly, would the day feel so stressed? Probably not. Because think of the days where you have had, you've had days like that, I'm sure. Days when I'm like, I don't know, hiking in the mountains, my family and I are hanging out together and there's nothing to worry about. Maybe we don't have cell service, so we can't even go on our phones. Like you feel pretty relaxed and pretty present with yourself. And you like, you even have time to read a book in the afternoon because there's like not much else going on. I wonder if more of us would feel less stress in our day, even as the days are still way too full for most of us. We have too many things actually going on in our day. If our perception of it changed where we could get the awareness that you and I are talking about right now and actually feel peaceful in that instead of trying to maybe get away from that and find something to be stressed out about. Yeah. I love I love your um your phrase, chemical experience. It's exactly what it is, isn't it? Like you're just bathing in some weird intense chemical experience and like in a lot of instances i was i was thinking as you were speaking i was like i wonder if we go to that because it's still more interesting than just being bored like so many of us are terrified of this idea of just sitting back and and actually paying attention to like all right what is going on through my like what's happening in my life how how is my mental state how am i doing like am i being a good husband am i being a good son am i business um i don't know where i heard this but it's just a quote that stuck with me for forever it's that business is um what was it Business is the ultimate form of laziness that stops us focusing on what's really important. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure I've paraphrased that poorly, but you get the idea of what it is that I'm trying to say. And I, I connect with that so much. Like so often I'm like, oh, okay, I'm busy because I've, I've got some emails or some admin that needs to be done and I'm doing my best not to have to do it because that is so tedious and boring and I'd love to stay as far away from that as possible. But I'd be really curious to pick your brain, uh, your brain around just some of the things that have been really effective to you. You mentioned a couple at the outset, like, okay, well, first of all, Lent, uh, getting rid of Instagram for that period, yeah. amazing, so cool. Um, but meditation, you men- mentioned as well. I'm not sure if you're saying that from a personal uh, uh, basis or just from like an observational basis, but what are some standout features to you that have been really helpful in, in not only creating space, but actually allowing you to move away from this chemical experience to something which might not be as exciting, but which is far more fulfilling? Well, it's funny you mentioned not as exciting, but far more fulfilling because the natural world is not nowhere near as exciting, even though it is. It is. Um, but compared to the dopamine hit that we can get from our phone, from rushing around, from the world, the modern world, you know, um, nature is inherently less of that. It is not that, right? But there's so much beauty and detail that you can get out of nature. It's far more exciting when you really switch back into it. Um, but for me, some of the most important things I've done is 
really starting and ending my day with a better routine, um, which everybody talks about their morning routine. I know. So I'm probably going to bore some people here, but um, (laughs) maybe there'll be something new for somebody listening. Um, But for me, with starting my day, the first one was obvious, but it really didn't kick in for me until I started working on my circadian rhythm health and getting my hormones regulated via my circadian rhythm. Um, Because like we all know we shouldn't go on our phone first thing in the morning. Full stop. We should not go on our phones. That's too dopamine driven. It ramps your cortisol up. It's just no good. Um, but then when I started reading about the types of light that we're supposed to get like in a natural environment, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, my phone does not. My phone provides the wrong kind of light for the first thing in the morning. And I want to have a calm start to my day, mostly because I value being as healthy as I possibly can. So why would I start my day going on Instagram and Twitter with my screen right in front of my eyes when what my brain is looking for is the sunrise. My brain wants sunlight from the sun. That's what it wants first thing. So that's, I made a switch to start doing that every day, no matter where we are in the year, I catch the sunrise, go outside for a couple minutes or open a window or like sit by the window if it's too really cold, too cold outside. Um, But have that be the first thing I experience. And then I try to take a little time to read something that is, uh, of service for me. So something that is a book I really can get some good insights out of or um, something that makes me think and pray and meditate or, you know, reflect a little bit um, in part for the content that I'm taking in in the book, but more so for exactly what you said uh, earlier, that we don't take a lot of time during our day to just sit and reflect for a minute. Like people should try that if they haven't. Maybe those who meditate will be good at it. But if you try to say, I'm going to reflect on why I'm addicted to overscheduling, if that's your thing. And then set a timer for five minutes. I guarantee you, your mind will wander well before the five minutes. Chances are it will wander within a minute because we have lost the ability to just sit and reflect. And actually, I just saw it the other day. I saw this great picture, like someone had taken a picture of a diary of, who was it? One of the, oh, it was Darwin, way back in the day. So, you know, we've seen like Benjamin Franklin's schedule. We've seen various great thinkers of societies and they show you their schedule and half the time you're like whoa that's a crazy schedule compared to what we did but usually not because they're working so hard it's because they're resting so much and they're taking so much leisure time and darwin's was no different if this is a legitimate copy which you never know the internet can make up a million things but it the point stood. there were like all these breaks in the day to just sit and reflect maybe drink a cup of tea go for a walk with his wife like sit by the window and look outside and I thought that, that, like, we need to have more time to reflect. So that's something I've tried to integrate. And sometimes cool. that will turn into like a meditative type thing. Um, but sometimes I'll just reflect on a little passage from a book or a little verse or something like that. And from there, then start my day with a good breakfast. Those three things are the best stack, if you want to call it that, that I've found to start my day calmly. Because think about it. If you start, which when you have kids, this is tough. If you start the day with like panic mode, that's what you're going to be running chemically as you go through your day. It's a lot harder to get things squared away, which is why I always tell my parents, like, morning's going to be hectic for sure. Like, if you can mitigate that as much as you can, but it's going to probably be hectic, especially when your kids are in school. Um, If there's any possible way between when you get the kids out the door to when you have to start whatever you do next, a job outside the home, stuff inside the home, whatever, if there's any way you can take 10, 20, even 30 minutes to do something calming for your body. That might be you sit and eat your breakfast in silence and you don't look at your phone while you do it. That might be you're on your drive to work and you listen to, you know, singing bowls type Tibetan flute music that is really relaxing. Maybe you take 
extra five minutes to stop in the park on the way to work so that you can sit in the park for a minute and watch the birds. Anything you can do to just restore the calm that is going to help you do the best throughout your day. So that's what I do for my morning. And that helps when I do that regularly. That makes me feel like I have a better handle on when I notice I've overscheduled myself or making a better decision before I overschedule myself or getting irritated about this, that, or the other that didn't work right. Um, and then the evening is the same thing. I am like clockwork with this. Ask my husband. He's like, oh yeah, she's ready for bed. Um, <laughs> I watch the sunset every day. Every day I'm outside with my chickens and watch the sunset. As soon as that happens, I'm like, I need to make dinner. I'm going to enjoy the process of making the dinner. Just enjoy the 30 minutes it's going to take me to put things together and just being present to that because most of my day, what am I doing, right? We're on our phone. We're answering phone calls. We're thinking about something else we have to do next. We're in the middle of problem solving mode and, and that's fine for your day. But that cooking time can be really just meditative for me. And we get to enjoy a nice dinner. I've just started integrating candles into dinner, which I love uh, because one, it's just charming and lovely, but um, it's also much more calming to have some candlelight while you eat your dinner. And then after that, I'm like de-stimulation central. Like if we're going to watch something, it's going to be light and calming. If we're not going to watch something, it's like reading a book that's light and fictitious of some sort. Like no, no uh, Huberman style stuff late at night. That God bless all the knowledge we can get online, but like none of that late at night. Um, and then it's time to turn in and have like a peaceful night of sleep. So I know that's not going to be the same for everybody, and but maybe there's a nugget in there that works for people. But I find that bookending the day with intentional things that bring calm um, that are still active and still engaged. Like other people can sit and watch the sunset with me. I don't have to go by myself and go do a half hour meditation, you know? For sure. The one yeah. big nugget in there for me is the idea of the timetables of really successful people for the reason that you, you mentioned. I remember I read the book Walden by Henry David Thoreau maybe yeah. five years ago. And that was one of the things that shocked me. Not, not only like, obviously it was a crazy time in his life where he'd sort of stepped away from so much of modern society uh yeah you know in his day but then each day was i want to say he walked 10 miles in the afternoon or three hours and he was saying that any yeah. day without like a three-hour walk you're not really getting time to think and yeah. i remember reading that and going oh my gosh like isn't it isn't it so wild how much yeah because you, you justify the idea of your business by saying no no but i'm getting really important work done but so often when I actually do take time to step out of my office to go outside during the day, maybe go for a walk or a run or just go down to the ocean, have a swim, if I give myself enough time, I often those really small, um, what, what do you call them? Like the, the real buzzy jobs, the jobs that like they're barking at you to get done, but they're not incredibly important. Yeah, they urgent sort of just, but not important. Exactly right. I think that's another yeah. Stephen Covey concept, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just they, they fizzle away a, a little bit and all of a sudden like the main tasks just start to, to, you know, take their rightful place. And with that, you go, okay, well, there's really only three or four things I need to get done today. Like if I can, if I can have a chat to Kate, if I write my training, pro I'm just telling you my daily routine and my today's routine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, there's four chunks or there's three chunks of things that if you can get those done, you've had a really good day. But the other stuff that makes you feel so effective in that moment that just stresses you out, really, if you get to the end of the day and they're not done, it's like, oh, who, no one notices. Like, it doesn't really make a big difference. So, yeah, that's a, well, and, a little reminder to, that, to me. To your point on that, I think that's such a great insight. I wish I had an ocean to go swim in. Gosh, we have mountains to go hiking oh, yeah. over here. But, oh, beautiful. man, an ocean, yeah. that'd be nice to go swim in the ocean as a break <laughs> in the day. Um, to Come home looking about like this. I look like a, 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 a Ken Barbie. I'm waiting for summer. I can't wait. It'll be great. Um, 
I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, though. We have built this notion of what we think it feels like to be a productive member of society. And we are, I think, collectively as humans today, almost all of us are addicted to that. Like, you don't feel like you did a lot that day if you didn't get a lot done that day. And what you said about three to four things is exactly what I try to, if I see more than a couple of things on my calendar, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a tight, oh, this is going to be a rough day. Um, And I try to keep it to three or four main things to get done. And what I often, to get to that point, what I had to do was realize like, if I keep not getting to the emails, for example, either I need to pay somebody to do that or I need to decide that they actually, they aren't aligning with my values because I keep not getting to them. So what do I need to change to make it so I have less emails? Now, I will say the caveat to this is there will be points in life where you cannot do this. Like you have to maybe work a second job to be able to pay for your, your stuff that you have to pay for. You might have an aging parent who's sick. You, it's 24-7 with them. You might have small children at home where you're like, yeah, I could maybe implement 1% of what these two are talking about today, but I like, it's crazy right now. Um, but that discernment to go back to that and recognize like, I know where I want to be and that's not where I am right now. Yeah. And that's got to have to be okay for right now. But boy, would I like to get to that three to four things on my day and be able to watch the sunset every single day. Boy, I would like to get to that point. And I always say to my husband, like, it's so, I'm so grateful that I have built the life I built and I worked so hard to get here. And I'm so grateful to know that if and when the day comes where I have to do exactly one of those things I mentioned, aging parent or help a neighbor out who needs 24-7 support or fly somewhere to take care of a family member or pick up a second job, um, that I know I can do that. It's like what my naturopath said. He's like, what if you just don't do all of that? And I said, well, he's right. I could just go back to what I already know how to do. So if anyone's listening here today and they're like, I don't know how to do any of this, I always like to just challenge and poke a little bit at that notion that you maybe can't do anything we're talking about right now, because I think all of us can make some small change that will feel better for us and not feel so overscheduled and stressed out. Um, But to also be willing to acknowledge the reality of where you're at. And if your children are under the age of five, it is a different story than if your children are all, they have the driver's license and they're out of the house running around doing their own thing. Like that's a different, that's a different type of parenting. That's, you're still parenting, but they need you a lot less at that point. I think being willing to look at where you honestly are and then start to apply some of the things we're talking about. So I, I hope people will think of that as, as they're listening to us and, and not thinking they have to apply everything we're talking about, but having that discernment to know where they're at. For sure. You know, um, I think this was before we were recording, so I'll just give context to everyone else. We were speaking about my mate or our mutual friend now, I guess, Brenton Ford from Effortless Swimming. So he's a good friend of mine. He lives about half an hour from me. He runs just an unbelievably successful online business. Like it's mind blowing just how he was a big part of the inspiration behind. Like if you look at the name Effortless Swimming, I, as a joke, started the night, like I typed in the name Relax Running and I sent it to him. And I go, Oi, what do you reckon? And that started back in 2019. And he was laughing. But he's a guy that, uh, I mean, if you, you sit down, he's the most humble bloke you can speak to. He's not driven by money. Um, though he's got plenty of it. He's, uh, I listened to a podcast with him and his business coach. His name is James Shremko. He's a guy based in Australia here. What I like about James Shremko is like the business coaching world, I feel is, is filled with guys who are hustle, hustle, hustle. And James Shremko is essentially, he's got himself marketed. He's like, he's the anti-hustle business coach. So any day that he doesn't spend a couple of hours in the water surfing, 
was not a successful day, regardless of how much, <laughs> regardless of how much yeah. stuff he got done behind the computer. And I, anyway, on James Shremko's podcast a few years ago, Brenton was on there, and he, uh, Brent was just speaking about a story that back in 2009, when his business started as a, a university assignment, he was like, "All right, like in 10 years, what would I like this business to do?" And he's like, "All right, I want to, I want it to allow me to surf when the weather's good." Um, and that was like the main priority. <laughs> he's just yeah. obsessed with surfing. And as a result, I look at him. He's a great example of someone who, who's he, like he'll hand off, uh, you know, the, the tedious, the Instagram work to people who do it better than him, who actually know what they're doing with that. And he'll use that time surfing. But I say all that to say it, it is incredible. Like I think a lot of the time we can fill our mind with this idea that if we, it's almost as though we justify how much we deserve results based on how hard we work. Whereas mm-hmm. I look at James Stromko, I look at Brent, and you go, okay, well, they're just smart with the way they do it. They, they're getting the work done, but they're not doing it all themselves. And as a result, they've actually got this time to be able to go away. And Brent will be the first guy to tell you, he'll still get pissed off, he'll still get stressed, he'll still get frustrated. He's got a wife, he'll call him out on it. Um, but he's, he's, got his head in the, he's got his head in the right place. And I think I'm so attracted to, to your model, to his model of, of um, productivity because this form of productivity actually nurtures your health rather than just grinds you down. Totally. And you've, you've, I think he's probably living by his values. It sounds like, like that is, and it's like, it's funny how trite all of these words have become because they get used in social media and podcasts so much like productivity and time management and, you know, yeah, living so that you can surf every day. Like that's the, that's the dream for internet business owners, right? Like, but there's like the trite kind of like contrived version of that. And then there's really living that, which it sounds like he's doing, you know, and I will, I will second what he is, whatever he's up to. Um, my business pivoted a lot when I moved to rural Utah and it has never been easier to build a business for me ever in my entire life. And all of it, we, we like laugh about it. Cause I'll come home and tell my husband about my day. And he's like, every day you're telling me about something that's happening. And I'm like, I know it's crazy. And I have to put the least amount of work. I don't have to not work, but I have to put, there's no grind, hustle, strive, push. There's none of that. It's just coming together exactly how it's supposed to get to come together and exactly how I want it to come together. Um, and the only huge change is I finally have brought that like my values, you know, were that I don't color my hair anymore. I brought that to my business where I'm like, what do I value for like myself with my business? And it's time and space. If what I choose to do does not give me time and space, we don't do it. And again, I told you, I've made the mistakes where I've been like, I think I can handle it. And then I get into it. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I ate up my time and space. That's not good. Um, and then so I finish my my obligations and then say, okay, we're not going to do it that way next time. We're going to do something different. Um, but I'm telling you, the more you align with your values, the easier the steps become. It doesn't mean your day gets easier. You're still going to have kids crying at home, being sick and, you know, dealing with stuff like that, your wife needing things, her needing things of you, you know, like there's still going to be all of that. But I think when you get into alignment you and you live by your values, the flow is, again, it's trite and contrived because everybody talks about getting into flow. Listen to any podcast today. Someone's going to talk about getting into flow, but it is different what is being talked about in a lot of the realms versus when you're living it and you've really called the stuff that is not aligning with your values and then put your full faith into those values. I think that might be part of it. I remember thinking, oh yeah, I value having freedom. That's why I started an internet business. Um, I was never less free than when I first started my internet business because I was posting the Instagrams, running the email marketing, doing all the things myself. And 
until I started to really live it, it really didn't start to like open up in the ways that it is these days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We've spoken a fair bit about values and just living in accord with them. Uh, and obviously we've sort of danced around a, a couple of ways that you can figure out what they actually are. But for you, how did you actually go, right, well, this is this is the main priority. These are the things that I really care about. Was that just to sit down with a journal and do some self-reflection or what did that look like? Yeah, it was a lot of journaling. Um, and can, like usually journaling when I was like pissed off about something, right? Like, being like <laughs> oh, I'm so frustrated. I got to get my journal out and get all these thoughts out. Um, but then the theme kept coming back, like time and literally those words, time and space kept coming back. I don't have enough time. I was usually mad when I didn't have enough time or felt like I didn't have enough time. Um, and I was mad when I didn't feel like I had enough space around me. Like, like I told you, three to four things in my day so that I have time to breathe in between those. And I will fill them with things to do, but I don't want them filled for me, you know? Um, and I, I mean, it took a few years of continuously coming like, there it is again. There it is again. I really need, I really think I need time and space. Wow. I really need time and space. And then having my husband reflect back to me, he's like, no, no, you're a different person when you have time and space. Like, frankly, that should be your priority of your life because you're like delightful. When you have time and space, you're like, it's amazing what you accomplish and you're in a great mood and it's awesome. It's like when you don't have that, I can tell right away. <laughs> I can tell right away. <laughs> so if you have anyone who can reflect back to you, a friend, a family member, a spouse, even your children will reflect back to you and tune into when they're reflecting back what you want to see and feel that will likely start to give you some clues as well. But I think, I don't think you can beat pen to paper to try to figure yourself out. I think you can sit and think about it. But like I said earlier, most of us can't focus for longer than a minute at a time. I mean, clips are like 15 seconds these days or less, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I really think people should go back to the pen and paper and sit down and not just on their phone, type it out, but like write out, especially what you're mad about, what you're frustrated about when you're in those moments, because that will bring you clarity to like, what are you mad about in this moment? Well, that means you're not getting something like I don't have any time right now. Well, that means I value time. I don't have any space. Well, that means I value space. And I think somebody can figure that out. And that's really the best suggestion I have because until then you're just trying on other people's ideas, which is fine. That's part of the process. Like trying on what Stephen Covey says, trying on what, um, you know, any of the other, you know, Tony Robbins or some other like, you know, motivation type person anyone who has a podcast, trying on what we have to say, anyone that you listen to, you can try that stuff on. And that could be a useful tool for understanding, like, do I really value this or not? Um, but I will say being aware once you've gathered enough information, because like you said, when we started, like, it's so easy to get on Instagram and spend hours just seeing what other people are up to. And it's even if you don't consciously think I want to be like that, it seeps in. It really does. And you have to be very discerning and deliberate about it. You know, so I, I like raised chickens here now and they're great. And you can go on even a Facebook group for about chicken owners, you know, and you can see what other people have and you can instantly start coveting what they've got and how their life goes and what their chickens can do and how many eggs they're getting a week. You can easily start coveting all of this stuff. So try on other people's stuff, but do it with an air of discernment so that you make sure you don't latch on to something that isn't actually what you value. Yeah, at the risk of comparing straight away, how many chickens do you have? Um, a lot. <laughs> do you? Yeah, we have a lot. We have, and we're getting more next week. So, um, we have a lot, and um, I won't tell people how much we actually have because I just like to keep that between our family. But um, we have plenty, and they're great. And eventually, I want to get 
uh, more types of animals for our little mini suburban rural farm here and do things like that, you know, but, um, we have enough and it's great and they're all wonderful and they have great little personalities and I just really enjoy spending time with them. Yeah. Yeah. We used to, we moved from a place about 12 months ago and we had a massive backyard and I was the, I love my chickens. They had the best diet in the world. They had so much space. I couldn't figure out the cage door though. So they spent most of their time living under a house and just coming out in the morning. Oh so there were, we had this reputation. So we were relatively, I say this, I'm not sure you're going to be proud of me. We were relatively fox free. No foxes ever got my chickens, but we, um, uh, we live in a small town. Point Lonsdale is the name of the town. And my chickens would spend as much time in our front yard as they would in our backyard. So, so often there'd be like someone driving past with little kids who would just pull over. And be like, what's going on here? I'm like, I'm sorry. I need to get a proper, I need to get yeah. a proper coop. Like this is yeah. just uh, ineffective, but you're right. I mean, you can go far and wide in the, uh, in the world of chickens Yeah, no, well. they, they like to wander around and I just have to make sure I keep the fence squared away for them. But um, luckily no foxes or mountain lions or anything like that here yet, luckily. But like, you know, if an errant dog comes in your yard, they can decide they want to play with them and that could be enough to kill them. So there's plenty of things that can kill your backyard chickens, but um, thankfully so far they're doing good. And I'm just, you know, preparing myself for someday when something is likely to happen because just, you know, it's part of the game with chickens, but we're trying to make it as um, sustainable here in our small little acreage that we've got here. So it's not, it's not big. It's in a neighborhood. So it's still, you know, but you can put a lot of work into like, have you seen these things? I mean, on Instagram, for example, this is where you can start to covet. They're like, we do this much on a quarter acre. And you're like, oh my oh. God, that is so much production on a quarter acre. So it's like, that's what I mean. You can quickly start to covet things that you actually shouldn't really be focusing on right now. So I very judiciously go into my little yes. chicken groups. And I, when I was using Instagram, I would follow certain people, but always try to get off and be like, is that what I need to be worrying about right now? I don't think so. I don't think we need to oh. have that many chickens. I don't think we need that many special, <laughs> like you can go nuts with the coops. Like, Oh, I have I have I seen know. some coops where I'm like that's nicer than a house. It's amazing. Sure. So, anyways, <laughs> sure. anyways no, so we're true. off in the weeds. I don't know. I'll, I'll wrap it up in a sec. But just before I do, have you? Is it Paul Saladino or Joel Saladino? I'm oh, not Paul sure if you know Saladino, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I went down a, a rabbit hole of so much of his stuff for a while because I was convinced I was going to be a backyard farmer. I'm not sure what happened there. I realized maybe it just didn't align with my values, but there wasn't enough time in my day to have my backyard of a rental house looking as good as <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Uh, he oh, was wait, are you, do you mean could, Joel yeah. Salatin? Wait, so did you mean Joel Salatin? Because yes, he's the farmer. That's exactly Paul Salatin is the e- keto carnivore guy. Sorry. Right. I, I like both of no, those no, guys. Fine. Salatin is the one that I am. I'm so Salatin. glad you knew that because people yeah. would be going look at Paul Saladino and go, he's saying nothing <laughs> about chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I it's it's a lot of work and you have to decide. That's another great realm. Like there are so many people trying to be homesteaders that it like their life is just not set up for that yet. And you can try, but you will continue you'll run into the same thing we've talked about for the last hour. Like you will constantly feel stressed and frustrated if your homestead you're trying to build is beyond the scope of what you actually have the time, energy, and money to do, which also by the way, this stuff isn't cheap. So uh you have to again match reality to perception, live by your values, and then find the harmony in all of that, you know? Yeah, so good. Yeah, I often said to my wife, I'm going to be a homesteader. She's like, you don't even have a hammer. Like, just calm down. Just <laughs> buy a tool first, you dickhead. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wait, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go. Kate, you're a legend, as always. So much fun. And I uh, I really appreciate you coming on. That was, a, that was an awesome chat, as I knew it would be. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Sweet. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> 